Welcome to the Paragraphing Podcast, a story told one paragraph at a time. I'm your host, Jamie Steidel, joined by my co-host and brother, Brendan. Each day, Brendan and I take turns writing a new paragraph of our story. Each week on the podcast, we read the latest paragraphs and then discuss the writing process, where the story is gone, and where it might go next. This episode is episode 6, and today we're going to be talking about sorrow. And just how we feel, (laughs) just how we feel about everything. We feel sorry. I feel miserable. Sorry. How about you? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, we feel so sorry. All right. So where we left off, you, Brendan, you can explain where we left off because the story itself has gotten to be too complex for me to even fathom what is going on. Oh, no, it's it's actually, if you remember, we explained everything exactly what was happening um essentially what happened was our characters got they they went to this uh i mean how far do we go back here um chevron and i got it i I think you want to say it i can do it yeah let me let me try this let me let me try this out okay so we have our characters are in search of uh pepper and uh our character main character Kelvin, I always forget his name, Kelvin, <laughs> and uh, his counterparts, Chevron, Macy, and the ambassador are in search of pepper, which is a rare ingredient that you cannot find for the ambassador's eggs. And they've gone through many different mishaps in the process of trying to find this pepper. In the meantime, one of these mishaps happened to involve them, our main character, Kelvin and Chevron, separating from Macy and the ambassador and getting lost in a chamber uh, under the earth. A chamber of secrets. Exactly. You'll actually have to read (laughs) to know what those secrets were. But it also involved a geyser of chocolate in which they gorged themselves on chocolate. And now they've landed onto the ground and dusted themselves off, Chevron and Kelvin. And uh, Chevron, as usual, is still hungry. Uh, because they did not get an actual meal, because sweets and dessert is not a real meal. You hear that, kids. It's true. Um, and now they're off doing some other things. Uh, I think that summarizes. Yeah, I think some we can. I think we it. can leave it there. I mean, the last one it did. We did kind of talk about who, whether they were in the underworld and what was going on with that, and you know, Mapleton and all that other stuff. Actor ants, but that's not really important right now. Chevron's hungry, right? Exactly. So go ahead. Now, how could you possibly be hungry? Macy asked. You just ate. Desserts always come before the meal, Chevron said. He's got that right in more ways than one, the ambassador said, pointing to the sign hanging outside the forest. The sign read, the forest of meals always comes after dessert. Well, that's just perplexing, I said. Not as perplexing as Chevron's hunger. We must move forward, the ambassador said. The sun is setting. We don't want to encounter the dwellers. The what? I asked. They're peasants, the ambassador said. And they always try to sell you life insurance. But I don't need life insurance, I said. Exactly. Do they sell lunch? Chevron asked. He always asks the right questions. That's the wrong question, Macy said. The right question is where will we be staying? We looked to a small clearing where light seemed to have been pressed into the service of some strange designer. It was a line of bright white, 
that was shaped into a perfect cube the size of a doorway. What's that? I asked. But before an answer found its way to my lips, a spoonful of life insurance did. And when I mean a spoonful, I mean a hefty helping of ground-up financial papers, all tangled in a honey-soaked pulp. Drah! I spit, and I wasn't the only one. It was a chorus of just that sort of sound from each of us. Attached to the end of each spoon was a long airfoil kind of a stick, as if they'd been shot from a bow and arrow. Rather than an arrowhead at the end, though, there was just this strange fiscal substance. Spit it! Spit it out! the ambassador warned. All of it, or you'll be charged! Charged with what? Macy demanded, and she knew all about judicial charges of one kind or another. Charged for insuring your life, the ambassador explained. We must get out of here, quick! He snatched all of the spoon spears up and made a run for that strange white square of light. Without further explanation, the ambassador hurled them into the center of it. They sailed into the white of that small, door-sized space for what seemed like 150, nay, 550 meters. Sailed until we couldn't see them anymore, as if he had dropped them from an airplane into the mouth of a white-hot volcano. And we were just watching them dissolve into the distance. The ambassador read the wide-eyed expression on our, well, our eyes. He shrugged. Just mirrors, mates. And he dove in. The white space was reflecting and reflecting light, making things seem distorted and strange. It was like a funhouse at a fair. This is like a funhouse, Macy said, looking at herself in a mirror, contorted into a strange, tall, big-headed, stilt-walking figure in the glass. You've got that right, Chevron said as he looked at his reflection. I look like I haven't showered in weeks. His reflection was accurate. No one had the heart to tell him. Were those, I asked, They were the dwellers, the ambassador said. But we'll be safe in here. Why? They don't like their own reflections, the ambassador said. I can't see why, Chevron said. It's not like these things are accurate. No one said anything. We can't stay here long either. It's dangerous, the ambassador said. Is anything safe, I asked. The ambassador shrugged. Then the safe struck. The safe was about the size and weight of an anvil, though hollow inside, and it struck in a cacophonous cacophony, just a tremendous splash of glass. It was as though a giant, life-sized glass whale, if such a whale ever existed, were to crash into a solid ocean of ice, instantly transitioning from existence into spectacular non-existence. The safe struck the glass mirror box and flung us all into the forest on a wave of whistling shrapnel. For the moment, at least, that drowned out conversation. But it wasn't long until the ambassador tumbled to a stop and had something to say about this most recent tumble of events. I should have known. Of course they would have thrown the book at us. Thrown the what? The voice of Macy crowed from above. She hung twelve feet overhead, her feet hanging over my head. Thrown the book, Ambassador Riveveva says, said. The dwellers have a tendency, when they don't want to be reflective, which is always, because always they dislike reflections, they have a tendency to take a page from the old book, as the saying goes. The Bible? I asked. No, you know, the old book. The phone book? The book of sayings. Sayings? Chevron shuddered. Or, I think he shuddered. It could have been related to the glass and the tumble. What cursed book of sayings? His cool exterior had shattered with all this shattered glass, and we caught a glimpse, however cracked, of the real Chevron, a supernaturalist spook, and rightly so. 
The Book of Sang says they take a page from the old book, the ambassador clarified. Am I making myself clear? Not in the least, I said. They take a page from any book and they dwell on it. Turn it over in their minds and turn it over in real life also. Over and over, sometimes five or six times, until they are ready to add it to the book of their design. This book. The ambassador stood now and approached the terrible safe. It was terrible for all the racket it had made and for all the racket it had in our conversation silenced and for its terrible job of keeping its inside contents inside and its outside contents, which included the whole of the world, plus Ambassador Revaveva says, out. He pried his way in with all the effort of a sage-grouse grousing at sage, and he removed the book. Ah, he said, paging through the book. Oh, what is it? Macy asked. The ambassador chuckled. Hmm, yes, yes, he cooed to himself, very pleased and laughing like a flattered bow. This is quite right, quite exquisitely right. What was right about the book was wrong. In fact, everything was wrong. The ambassador flipped through the book, expecting, as most people would expect when flipping through a book, to see words, pictures, anything that indicated he was flipping through a book. But he saw nothing. Not even, There are no blank pages in this thing, the ambassador said. His voice reverberated with contempt, contempt and disgust, contempt and disgust and hatred, contempt. You can stop that now, the ambassador said, patting my shoulder. We can still hear your thoughts. Oh, I said. Of course there are no blank pages in a book, Macy said, snatching the book. It's got words on each page. She began flipping through the book. There are no blank pages in this book, she said. There are no words in this book. Exactly my point, the ambassador said. But of course there are no blank pages in a book, Chevron said, snatching the book. It's got words on each page. He began flipping through the book. There are no blank pages in this book, he said. There are no words in this book. Exactly my point, Macy said. Well, of course there are no blank pages in a book, I said, snatching the book. It's got words on each page. I began flipping through the book. There are no blank pages in this book, I said. There are no words in this book. Exactly my point, Chevron said. Well, of course there are no blank pages in a book, the leader of the dwellers said, snatching the book. It's got words on each page, he began flipping through the book. There are no blank pages in this book, he said. There are no words in this book. Don't you see, the ambassador said, there is trouble afoot. No words in this book, the leader of the dweller said. No blank pages in this book. The end is near. He looked at the shattered box. Even the glass is shattered. I liked that glass. It was where I kept my coffee, he said. The end is near. We tried to escape you in that fun house, Chevron said. It broke. That's no fun house, just an intricately designed coffee table. Anyways, this mystical book of great books, the book of the dwells, is missing its words. Not only that, it's missing its pages, too. Find the pages and the words, not in any particular order, though you will need to order it right to combine them. And we won't charge you for the life insurance. But we're looking for Peppa, the ambassador said. Yeah, sure, find that too, whatever. And trying to fix whatever it is is wrong with titanium levitation and our chickens, Macy said and held up a chicken. Okay, yeah, sure, do that too, the leader of the dwellers said. 
uh, find the book of the dwells, pages, and words, and whatever else, and bring it back in time before the end comes. Yeah, sure. Whatever, the ambassador said. Wait, did you say life insurance, I asked. And we were hit, each of us, with spoon spears of life insurance. The first thing to do when looking for more than the first thing is to divide up, I said. Dividing divides down, Chevron corrected. The first thing to do is to split up, I tried. You mean split apart, the ambassador corrected. The first thing to do is to break apart, I said. What we should... I'm sorry, Macy interjected, but shouldn't we be more interested in fixing things at the moment rather than breaking them? Yes, I said. You're very, very right. Where did I lose my head? We're not here to divide up or down, split up or apart or break in any way, shape or form. We're here to fix, fix up and fix down, fix apart and together. But when we do it, I said, we should do it apart. They looked at me, a gasp. That way we cover more ground. Cover or uncover it? Macy asked. Exactly. I turned from face to face and back again. This was the most decisive I had ever been in my entire life, and I couldn't decide what to do next. Lucky for me, the ambassador decided otherwise. No, he said. The leader of the dwellers and I will do as leaders do and lead the charge to everything, and then we'll charge you for it. Charge us? Macy exclaimed. She was deeply offended with this injustice. What are the charges? For the words and the pages and the pepper, of course the ambassador said, and said with gusto. He was making a bit of a performance of it, feeling like he was finally among equals with this leader-dweller around. You just sit tight and prepare to pay the price. The price? For spice. It's a pretty sweet deal. That tastes pretty rotten to me, Chevron said. Me too, I mumbled. Me three, Chevron said, though he was already one by this count. Me four, Macy added oddly, though four was even. It might not be an even match, but mark my words, Mr. Ambassador and Mr. Dweller Person, we will find those words and pages, we will find that pepper, and more importantly, we will find the key to taking titanium levitation down for good and all, for Mapleton and Linsalum, for dwellers and taste testers, for the whole island province. This rousing speech roused us to action, which consisted of Chevron and I dusting off our knees and grimacing a bit, but in a proud sort of way, I think. The ambassador's reaction to all this was to take a picture of us and laugh. Then he and the leader of the dwellers hunched over the photo on his phone and receded into the foliage. Well, that was rude, I said. Yeah, they didn't even share the picture with us, Chevron said. But Macy was already on it. She had her phone out and was squeezing us all together for a selfie. She grimaced. Chevron grinned. And I was looking the other way. I couldn't believe my eyes. My eyes were known to have deceived me before. This one time, I thought I saw what wasn't there, and realized too late that what wasn't there was there, just not where I had originally thought it wasn't. And I crashed into what I thought was there, but wasn't exactly there, if you understand my meaning here. Anyways, my eyes can be deceiving. Are my eyes deceiving me? I asked. Yes, Macy said, sorting that question out. She went back to her phone, realizing its battery life was low. That was when Chevron had to admit that his eyes must be deceiving him, too, because he saw something. Are my eyes deceiving me? Chevron asked. This time, Macy had to look up from her dying phone, and she saw what she could only describe with a question. Is that a charging port for our phones? With free Wi-Fi, Chevron said excitedly. There we go. 
All right. Very nice. That, we only had six. Yeah, we only had six. We, we were a little on and off this week. Yeah, it's a vacation week here. Easter and <laughs> oh god, it doesn't. It did not feel like a vacation to me. Holy cow, no. <laughs> yeah, both my boss That's is gone how and my fiance like. is gone. So I've had like double duty at home and at work. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say it does feel like a vacation. <laughs> my boss and my fiance <laughs> are gone. Yeah, no, got the whole place to myself. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> this was my last time hearing that last one. Uh, or my last time. It was my last and my first time. This is my last. I'm never going to hear that one wrote. again. <laughs> I refuse to hear it again. Uh, I'm going to skip over it if I listen to this podcast. I, I, I can't bear to hear it. No, it was great. It was really funny. Um, so why don't we start at the beginning, right? And uh, and just kind of go through one at a time and see what, what kind of stood out, unless you have any initial comments. I like the spoon spears. I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> And there's a lot of wordplay, but that was probably my favorite thing. Spoon spears or whatever you call them. Spoonfuls of spears or just the idea when, when I said that they, that the, the dwellers uh, force life insurance on you, which I, I don't know, for some reason, life insurance is always a funny thing. And the fact that you have them firing spoons in the, with, with shreds of paper or insurance or something <laughs> on them. And they're, it's... I, I don't know. It's a, that is a wonderful image. <laughs> it's a like, that is a really funny image. Uh, I, I just could not get that out of my head. I just loved it. Well, it's essentially they're being spoon-fed life insurance, right? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. That they, and so so initially in my head, they were like being spoon... I, you said, you know, they force life insurance on you. And I thought, well, maybe they spoon-feed it to you. And I thought, well, how would they do that? Well, it'd be shredded up. And so then I had this image of just like... They're standing there, and then suddenly these spoons are just, like, thrust into each of their mouths. And at first I thought, well, maybe someone's holding these spoons and thrusting it in there. And then I thought, no, it'd be funny if they were just, like, fired from bows and arrows and just, just you know, cartoonishly, you know, plopped into their mouths. <laughs> that is when, that is, I think, out of everything, this is definitely, when, when we do have to sell the rights, um, you know, and they make the movie... <laughs> ideally it would it, have to be a cartoon it'd be a mini series it would <laughs> yeah a mini series with a lot of complaints <laughs> <laughs> of course that's from um uh, eddie azari well you should you should insert that little bit here in the audio with a lot of complaints it's 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 pope mobile it's the pope mobile uh bit oh okay yeah well I, is that I have is on, that I have from dress to kill it's circular glorious i have the i have it on um cd so i'll i'll send I'll send you that. What a great, what an, what an amazing comic. And you know, he's in Europe. He's just running around. You know, he does marathons, but he's running around Europe and I'm here and I should be taking advantage of, of <laughs> going to track to see, him down to see him. Yeah, I'm going to try. No, to see his stand up. No, oh, maybe, track him down maybe, maybe he'd be around. in uh, London or something when we're there. But well, I'll just send him a tweet. Maybe he'll do a special, <laughs> special thing. Yeah. It's what's fantastic about, about him is he uh he's dyslexic no what's fantastic about him is that he since he is dyslexic a lot of his material is on the fly which i think is amazing uh, he'll remember stuff to say but then some of it he'll just ad lib and it, it comes off really well he's a very funny guy but all right back to this anything that stood out the spoon spears no that really stood out and then okay you do need to explain to me what this box is that <laughs> 
I turn into a fun house. I was so confused. I don't know if you wanted me to, if, if I just didn't, wasn't reading it right, or if it was something I was supposed to elaborate on. Well, what happened is, so at the, let's look, you wrote, now you could possibly be hungry. This is the one from April 5th. And, um, this is the first one we read today Yes, where they're walking into the forest, right? The forest of meals, right? Where they're supposed to have food, which helps this spoon spear idea because maybe their food is this weird fiscal substance. Um, and you introduced the dwellers and you said, we don't want to encounter the dwellers and said, they're always trying to have life insurance for you. And then they asked about where they would be staying. So I kind of started writing this one and I thought, well, maybe they're looking at a place that maybe they might be able to stay. And so they're looking into the center and they're seeing this, this weird house thing that's full of light. And so while they're looking at it and thinking about it and considering it, I mean, in my mind, it was just kind of this bright, white, interesting looking house or dwelling, right? Cause you say they're the dwellers. They're and the so dwellers. that's what I wrote okay. that there was some sort of dwelling here. And, um, they got these spoon spears in their mouths and suddenly the ambassador thinks, well, we have to give it back to them. We can't keep it because if we keep it or we swallow it, spit it out, right? Or you'll be charged. So then he wants to throw it back at the dwellers dwellings. So that's what he does. He kind of sails it into that, into that space that, and I wanted it to look kind of weird and, you know, so maybe it's, it looks bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. That's that sort of idea. Yeah. And so, he throws it into this weird looking dwelling and um and they they get like amazed by by how how it seems to have more space um inside than outside because you can see these spears sailing into it and so he looks and and they are all like amazed <laughs> like wow this is breaking the laws of gravity and but he just kind of shrugs and says no 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 it's just mirrors right and then he dives in himself so I, at that point, I did think that it was maybe some sort of dwelling. But then we shattered that. Yeah. You wrote your next piece. You said it was a fun house. And even though the ambassador... Well, I said it was distorted. It was like a fun house. It, isn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't exactly a fun house. Right. It could have been something else. But to, to, to Macy and to the narrator, it looks like a fun house. And it makes me think of Sphere by Michael Crichton, which is kind of reflective and weird looking, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And it is a fun house. <laughs> And um, you have to pay to get it to be admitted into it. That's what that that's what that book is <laughs> that would about. Would be an awful ending to that <laughs> book. Oh my gosh, it's a fun house. <laughs> um. So, <coughs> so what we have here is you saying, well, what's weird is I say that the ambassador dove in, but you you just say no. The ambassador's standing there with them, looking at the reflections. So, I figured they they'd all kind of dove in at that point. Oh, so you're thinking in. they're in the fun house. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think that at all. You have to be in the fun house in order to enjoy the terrible mirrors. Oh, interesting. Okay, I, I still saw them all standing around it. No. Okay. See, I saw them inside of it. That's that's interesting. I For some reason, since he dove in, I assume they, they all dove in, though it doesn't say that. In either case, mine doesn't really have that many narrative cues about who's standing where where somebody is for all we know the ambassador could be inside and they're talking to him through (laughs) through a mirror right yeah i seem to do it's hard i seem to do that a lot i have a lot of dialogue versus narrative and that gets that that's really hard to read over podcasting dialogue can be tricky and and in particular when you have four characters um as we've kind of discussed before it can be really hard yeah so 
we have them looking at the fun house. Oh, and the ambassador does say, but we'll be safe in here. So I guess that is the idea that maybe they are in there. Yeah, you said that, right? You you're said that. You said we'll be safe in here. And then and then he introduces this idea that they, don't, that they don't like their own reflections. And let's see. it's uh, Oh, and you have this funny thing where Chevron with his uh, reflection thinking that it's accurate or not accurate. It's, yeah. Um, and then he says, we'll be safe in here, but we can't stay here long. And then the safe struck. And what did you mean by that before we go on to what I said? Well, I was just playing on what he said. Is anything safe? My character, you know, uh, Kelvin asked and the ambassador shrugged. Hmm. And then the safe, whatever safe is, struck. I wasn't saying it was necessarily a safe. It was more of, <laughs> I wanted to end my section. Uh, and I always like to end it with something happening that you then have to play with. And I'm like, well, then, you know, is anything safe? Well, how about this? A safe strikes. <laughs> Taking a more literal thing to, to uh, like, a, a, turning the idea of safe into an object, whatever that object is. And that was your decision to decide what safe is and i decided it was just a safe you said safe it's a safe yeah so so back into the cartoon stuff we have safes falling from the sky essentially (laughs) out of nowhere and uh and i even say that it's the size and weight of an anvil uh (laughs) because that's going straight into the cartoonish uh um, acme anvil world which by the way as a kid i didn't i thought anvils were just invented by cartoons to be interesting looking heavy things it took me i don't know years or a decade to realize that they're for blacksmiths to like shape metal they're very strange like why do they look like that i guess maybe that's something we should look up no they're, they're, for, they're for blacksmith looking things they're for blacksmiths yeah i know they're for blacksmiths i've seen a blacksmith but why do they look like that? i've seen a blacksmith work on an anvil and they use it to to shape the metal so no, I know that. So but it, so it's got like, like a that? pointy end, so they can make like circles, and it's got like sharp edges okay. on it, so they can make like ninety degree angles, and it's got rounded edges on it, right? So it's got all these different, you know, you're you're constantly pressing hot metal into it to shape it the way that you want it to be shaped. It's just a fun word and an interesting looking thing, mm-hmm. and that's probably why they use it. It's, a, it's just having that fall on your head would hurt, but just an anvil. Mm-hmm. Just the word is 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 ridiculous. This week, one of the things I was focusing on was I, I tried to explain a little better what things looked like and where they were, kind of the opposite of what you were doing, writing a lot of dialogue. Yeah. And so because because this world was so fantastical, I really wanted to be clear about what was happening. And so that's why I kind of, I think actually, if you look at my my work this week, there's there's a lot of it that begins with a description, you know, to try to maybe explain what's what's going on a little better. Yeah, there's there's a lot there's dialogue, but within the dialogue, there's a lot of explaining what who's doing what, what's going on, what's being said. There's a lot of description, so people can more visually see what's going on. I guess that's the only way to see though is visually. Mm-hmm. I really like this idea where. Um, <laughs> Where the so the anvil hits it, and I like this idea the that that whole structure was glass because you said it was like a mirror, right? Yeah. And so I had this giant heavy anvil hitting this glass, and just what that would look like. Um, I don't know. I really like this image 
of a life-sized glass whale, like 50 to 100 feet long. Yeah, that stood out. That is crashing into an ocean that's frozen, an ocean of ice. And just like, just just imagine that image, um, which I think is kind of funny because normally we think of a splash as being just, you know, a solid whale hitting a liquid ocean. But it'd be really funny if it was like a whale that could shatter hitting a solid ocean. Oh, yeah, that definitely, that definitely is very... Good imagery there and very comical seeing a whale, glass whale, smash into uh, into the earth. I see the reference there to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. We're, we're always going to mention that in every single every single podcast. <laughs> we no, can't get through I was, it out. I was tempted not to mention the reference, but I, I figured that I had to. And I figured that's what the reference was. I wasn't 100% sure, though. You just watched that too, so you probably wrote this right after you watched that movie. I did. I just yeah. saw. I just saw the movie. It's a great movie. Yep, and and that's why I, I like this idea. Like, if such a whale ever existed, transitioning from existence into spectacular non-existence again, Another playing reference. with that that scene where a whale randomly materializes. Basically, what's happening? Something else is falling. So, and then it turns into a whale. No, so they're being shot at from an old military system of this dead planet. Because the, the military, the computer system still works. So they fire thermonuclear warheads, two of them at them. And the main character, Arthur Dent, decides to use the spaceship's um, infinite improbability drive, which is their means of like interstellar traveling, where they shoot through different parallel universes and become different objects as they're shooting through it. And they're not supposed to do it within the atmosphere of that planet. So he presses it and they end up staying in the same place. They don't travel, but what they do is they transform the nuclear warheads, which were just about to hit them, into a uh, bowl of petunias and a very surprised-looking whale. Right, yes. And the whale, as he's falling, has this kind of existential, you know, thought process that he goes through about, you know, going into existence, and he doesn't have a lot of time. Before he falls down and, and where gets he re- he's thinking about who he is, what he is, what do I mean? He says, "Who am I? What do I mean by who am I?" And then he's like, "What is this thing coming towards me?" And he starts naming it. It's a very round thing. It's a it's a round ground. I'll call it ground. Oh, I hope it's nice to me. And then he hits it. Right. Very right. very comical and very dark at the same time. Very Douglas Adams. And then the only thing going through the head of the bowl of petunias at the time is. Oh, no, not again. Yep. So that's why I was thinking of, you know, the whale transitioning from existence into spectacular non-existence. Very, yeah, very good reference. Uh, did you understand what was going on, the craziness in the section where I talk about the book that they're flipping through? No, and I do want to talk about that section because when I read it, it kind of gave me chills. There was something really creepy yeah. about it, really creepy about them all saying the same thing again and again. It like it just kind of creeped me out that they were <laughs> stuck in this loop, and at first I thought that you had made a mistake no. and you know printed the paragraph twice, and then I saw what was happening, and I thought, oh, that's interesting, but it's really you, you normally me out. you normally uh, send me a text saying, oh, I liked what you wrote that one time. That time you did not. <laughs> I was like, oh. That's interesting. No, yeah, it it is creepy. It was also because I was tired and I'm like, I don't know what to write. You know what? I'll just have them all say the same 
thing. I'll just copy and paste and then change the name. And that ended up actually taking more work than it would have if I wrote something different. But I also thought the whole prospect of it is kind of creepy. But I was trying to play with the humor of everybody saying the same thing. When you're reading a book, you don't expect the same description, the same words coming from three or four different characters. So I thought that would be funny. And the fact that it came off creepy to you just shows the the line between humor and frightening things. They're both kind of playing the same mm-hmm. thing where they, they, they kind of distort your expectations and at the same time play with mm-hmm. them. So you don't expect the repeat. You know, you said you expected maybe it was a mess up or something like that. And then it keeps on happening. And then no longer is it really funny anymore. It's just what the heck's going on. This is creepy. And the, the fact of what they're talking about, there are no pages here. What What is this? Yeah, it was it was very disturbing, <laughs> very disturbing to me, because I guess for me, you know, we we do a lot with wordplay and with, um, you know, with, with, you know, references. And there's a lot of literary flair going on but there's also a story happening and there are characters who are in a place and um you know when i read i I, you know i try to think of being in that place with those characters and um the sense of being stuck in a place like that where people keep suddenly saying the same thing again and again and again is kind of nightmarish yeah yeah it is pretty nightmarish Um, also this this concept is kind of creepy too. I mean, they have this book and there's like, there are no blank pages in a book. It's got words on each page. There are no blank pages in this book. There are no words in this book. And it's really like, <laughs> it sounds like an incantation, you know, it's, it's like repeating over and over again. What am I doing? Why am I reading this? What is he summoning? Yeah. There are no blank pages, they, yeah. which means you're they're flipping through a book with no words and no blank pages. And the question is, is how are they flipping through the book if there are no pages? Because if there are no words, yeah, it's disturbing. But there are no blank pages. It's, it's very it's, it gets very weird. And now they're off to go to go find yeah. to go find these words and pages, and they don't have to find them in a particular order, but they have to put them together. Sounds like they have to write a book. Yeah, which that's what it sounds like. Which is basically what we're doing, you know. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, we'll 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 see what it is that they have to do. That 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 idea of them having to find the pages and the words that doesn't bother me quite as much. Once they finally got out of that loop, but being in the loop was really disturbing. <laughs> well, I'm glad it triggered something. I will say I did like this line, and and I kind of missed it because I was so disturbed the first time I read it. But but where um where the guy who by the way sounds like Jerry Seinfeld this dweller i don't know if you had that in your mind but his kind of like whatever attitude really <laughs> reminded me of uh, Jerry Seinfeld and maybe your voice was a little like it well, maybe. but then he says um you know the ambassador says they're looking for pepper he says whatever and then macy says and trying to fix whatever it is was wrong with titanium levitation and our chickens and like and she held and she holds up a chicken is very, it's just a very funny image. <laughs> like, what's wrong with our chickens? <laughs> and she holds up a yeah, chicken. Yeah, I guess maybe it was uh, Seinfeld, but I was just thinking, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. I just love the idea that this guy's being so dramatic in the beginning. And then he's like, we must find it before the end. But he's so nonchalant at the end. It's like, well, okay, uh, they're like, uh, but we're looking for Pepper. Yeah, sure, find that too, whatever. <laughs> just, I love the this transition, yeah, the attitude, yeah. which is why when I was reading it, he's not too... Like, there are exclamation points and stuff here. He's not really into what he's saying, if you notice. When, with what the way I read it, he's just like, 
um, find the book of the dwells pages and words and whatever else and bring it back to me in time before the end comes. <laughs> it's not, he's not really into it. I had missed that the first time that there was an end coming. So that's disturbing yeah. too. Something very dark about this one. And they sound <laughs> creepy too. The dwellers. dwellers. They sound creepy until, and then they're trying to sell you life insurance, which is also kind of creepy because it's like, well, are you, does that mean you're going to kill me or see the thing is though, I think what would be funny is if they, they did sell them life insurance, right? But then they don't want to pay out if they die. So they're actually really nice to you and try and protect you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so there, were, there was one thing I wanted to do next. Now, between reading your piece and writing my next piece um, after that, I read an interview with P.G. Woodhouse, who wrote Jeeves and Worcester. And this was an interview in the Paris Review that was done with Woodhouse. He ended up living until like 94 or something crazy like that. 93 years and old, that is. Yeah, 93. 70s. And he had this interview, it sounds like in his 90s, but he sounds like you and I sound today. He doesn't sound old at all. Of course, this is a, a written interview, so who knows how he sounded in real life, but he was definitely with it. And they were asking him about what was the hardest thing about what he did and what was the most important thing. And even though he's so big on on wordplay and really, really funny moments and comic, um, you know, interjections and things like that, he said he focused so much on plot. And he had this line where he said something like, you know, plot is the most important thing. It doesn't it doesn't matter how funny you are if there's no plot. Um, And that really stuck with me because we keep doing all these funny little things but the characters don't necessarily have a very clear goal, and well, um, their goal keeps shifting and changing. They keep shifting uh, and changing. Well, they do the have goal, goals, yeah, but they, they do keep the, shifting the and changing. The plot was to find out what the hell is going on with titanium levitation, and uh, well, I would pepper. S- I would say the plot was the plot was driven by Macy and Kelvin, who wanted to see if they they could somehow break titanium levitation or somehow get through it to stop the ambassador from being the ambassador from being this autocratic um, dictator. Mm. So that, that's what, that's what I think is at the heart of a lot of this, but now they're trying to find these pages and the, you know, other stuff and that's fine. Um, But what I wanted to do with the next piece is uh, number one, split them up a little bit so that we don't have this trouble of having so many characters at once, which is very difficult to keep track of. It's so hard. It's so hard to narrate. It's hard to narrate, too, in particular, because we only have short periods that we're writing. We only have, like, a page. And so it's hard to get everyone in to say something in one page, you know? So I wanted to split them up. That was important. And I wanted them to feel like um, there was a little bit of conflict between each of them. So I wanted it to feel like they were split up and maybe there was some sort of contest or conflict going on. And I wanted that conflict to be, you know, basically most of them against the ambassador and maybe this leader of the dwellers. Cause that's kind of how it was set up from the beginning between Macy and Kelvin. So that's why in this section, which plays a lot with the wordplay, but really it's about setting it up so that the ambassador and the dweller go off and they they start looking in their own way, and then we just have three characters, Macy, Chevron, and Kelvin, who are yeah. looking there, and they're kind of in a contest to see who could... You know what could be fun? We could do one week where it's a chapter, as in where you can write a 3,000-word chapter for this next one. 
and then I write a 3,000-word chapter, and then we can go back to our paragraphing. But it would be interesting to see what one will do with this story if they took it, took it away and, and had the chance to write a little more about it. Mm, that is very interesting. So essentially, each of us writes every day, though? What do you mean? If it was my week, then I would write every day for seven days, and then we'd read it in the podcast. Is that what you were thinking? What were you thinking? Well, I was thinking maybe giving, well, I actually, maybe if we did post paragraphs, right? Maybe if we, cause I, I think it, there, the, it still breaks it up. The, the problem is, is the paragraphing breaks, mm-hmm. breaks up the flow of the writing, the story I feel. Because sometimes when I write, let's mm-hmm. say a 3000 word chapter, I'll sit down and I'll write it, but it, it won't necessarily be in the right order. I may have a scene in my head and I'll write that scene, but then that scene actually comes after another scene that then I have to write. So I'm puzzle piecing the chapter together is what I'm saying. And you don't really get that uh, creative freedom when it comes to paragraph where we have to post one. Oh, okay, I'm going to write one today because it loses that flow and that thought. Mm-hmm. So maybe if we did every two days posting, perhaps, because what I would probably do is I probably would sit down and I would then if, you know, yours would be the next one. I would sit down and I would write uh I would write the whole thing in one go or maybe two days and then I'd post it. So yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess we'd post every day for a week and then whatever turns out to be like that chapter, we could, we could do that because mm. I'll have time. Well, no, because then I'd have to read yours. I don't know. It's just a thought because I think it'd be interesting to see where it would go if, if we had more of a chance. Cause I feel like with the paragraph and we keep on introducing new ideas, we always want to introduce new ideas. You know, you introduce a new idea. I introduce right. a new idea because we're both creative people. Um, and then we're like left with, okay, they're in another forest. When are they going to get out of these forests? You know, (laughs) (laughs) is there no city in this place? Like, (laughs) is there no street? Can we get to the street? (laughs) Where are they living? That's the question. Why are they in the middle of nowhere? And why is there nowhere everywhere? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very interesting. I, I, I think that's an interesting concept. And I wouldn't, you know, I'd feel bad because we've built up a whole system of uh, posting every day. Oh, we, and Maybe blah, we blah, can blah, post blah. every day, but maybe this week, this, this week will be your week to post. Maybe you get this entire week and the next week I get the entire week and then we'll come back and do the podcast. Yeah, but I think, I think what you said, I, I do think what you said is, is, is valid that if we have to break it up and we feel this daily pressure, we're still just going to write little bits yeah. at a time. And it might be good to you know, take a few days to think about it and then plan something out and then write it. Um, and then, and then read it together on the podcast and we could read it, you know, rather than one person reading the whole thing, you know, we could, we could read it together where we take up different characters or, or whatever. Yeah, I think that would be good. And then maybe, maybe in the meantime, we can figure out something else we can do to keep our, our writing process going or keep our blog going. So it's not, we don't lose out on a week, but you know, a week is not that long. Yeah. You know, if you, if we say you can post something, let's say like on Friday or on Saturday, and then I post the following Friday or Saturday, you know, and then we can do the podcast talking about the, it'd be fun. Cause then we could do the podcast talking about your writing style, what you did. It'd be different because we're talking about writing paragraph by paragraph. Now we can talk about actually physically mm-hmm. writing a chapter, which, you know, a lot of people have, you know, a lot of people want to write or who are writers sometimes run into roadblocks and we can hear about those roadblocks along the way that you potentially Mm -hmm. had where you were sitting, you're like, well, so used to writing a paragraph. Now it's, you know, this is difficult. I have to write more than a paragraph, even though basically we've been writing 50 paragraphs (laughs) for our paragraph. 
I like that idea. I think it'd be cool to give it a give it a try. I'm not saying that we're switching. No, Th- this is what this yeah, jump started. I think we should do it once, once now, and I would call it more of like more of like get moving moving this. Yeah, we can do it. Why else. don't we do it once now? I'll do it, and then you do it, and then we see what happens, and then we go back to the paragraphing thing for a while, and then maybe we'll go back to doing this in a few weeks or months or whatever, if that turned out good. Yeah. I like that idea though. Let's, let's give it a try. I think what we should do though, is since one of us is going to be, you know, having to write an entire chapter in a week, which is pretty aggressive. It can, that can be kind of aggressive, um, to write an entire chapter in a week. I think the other person should come up with something to post daily. And it could just be like a sentence or two or, a writer or a link they found or something. And you could like, you could sit down and do this, you know, in a half an hour, an hour and just gather a bunch of stuff and then schedule it out. But there should be something going up. I yeah, think, well, every day. What, what we can do is I can do just like some side thing, maybe something we mentioned or something like that in the meantime. Yeah. 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 Maybe you do a, hi- a history of yeah. the dwellers, you know, Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. I, I completely <laughs> agree with you on that part or like, or like 10 things. To, or seven things you didn't know about the dwellers, and each day there's yeah. one thing, you know, or something like or that. Or seven things you don't want to know about the dwellers. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> seven things you don't <laughs> want to know about the dwellers. Yeah, no, that actually, <laughs> I like that, and uh, that'll be in the meantime while you work on that. But I also, I, I, I would like you to, maybe before or after you write, if you write each day, maybe each day, at least sit down and then don't write down your words but but say them like record them so we can have that in the podcast maybe edit them or something like that because i always think it's i kind of like i kind of like like where somebody sometimes you sit down and you record and you just say well i'm gonna, i'm sitting down to write right now it's like seven o'clock i don't really want to write right now but this is the only time i have to write Oh, kind of like a journal yeah. like a live journal of yeah captain's of the log writing process of writing writer's log writer's log april 7th 2017 12.09 a.m. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, we, you know, none, it doesn't have to be anything perfect. And, you know, we won't add shit. So don't say, you know, so say whatever you want. And then, you know, I'll edit it. Just like I'm going to edit that swear word I just said. Yeah, we, we don't want to be, um, uh, what's the word? Oh, uh, we don't want yeah. the C in the podcast. Explicit. Yeah, we don't explicit. Want explicit that's right. We don't want to be. <laughs> explicit. They're explicit. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I won't. <laughs> yeah we'll see how you feel i mean it just takes two seconds you can do it with your i phone. like the idea i like the idea with your but phone. it's already a lot of work to be uh let's do it with your phone yeah maybe okay if i could do it yeah, with my do phone, it with your phone. Okay. so what i just don't see myself sitting down yeah i don't see myself doing that either and when i do it i do want to do how do i do want to have a log i don't know why i do want to do i do want to have a log um because i just kind of like that idea all right so let's talk about where we where where you ended then so uh, I can think about where we might be going. So let's see. Eyes deceiving me. I end with free Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. And, and a, char- a charging port for her phones with free well, Wi-Fi. Well, see, I do, I do want to say I never in my writing write about people taking selfies. I never have. And I really enjoyed <laughs> yours because that really brought it back into reality. And I thought it was funny because everything else has been insane. And it's probably the most mundane thing that they have done. And it was really comically written, and I liked the concept of it. And I thought, wow, it kind of opened up avenues in my brain because I was like, wow, this is something that I never write about. Even when I sit down to write my own stuff, I never write about 
phones uh, in that way. I never write about people really mm-hmm. texting each other or anything like that. For, for some reason, I always avoid it. I don't know why. I don't know if it, to me, it probably disrupts kind of the plot or something because bad things happen to my characters and they could probably be prevented if they picked up a phone. But so I don't add the phone into the factor, you know, <laughs> keep that far away from them. But I, I like that they have their phone. So when our character, Kelvin, was saw something in the distance and thought his eyes were deceiving him, I, I sat there and I was trying to figure out what it would be. And at first it was going to be a 20, tall, 20 foot tall, a, a giant elephant or something. Um, <laughs> or no, it was going to be a giant beaver. And then I thought, no, that's too much Monty Python. There's a Monty Python episode where it's like a giant, it's not a beaver, it's some other like rodent that followed a, a criminal. And it was called Norman. And he followed a criminal named Dimsdale. And he just, but he, the Norm, uh, Dimsdale was the only one who saw him. Um, so I didn't want to take that Monty Python the Monty Python thing, and so I thought, well, let me do something more real, but also ridiculous. How about uh, a, a station where they can charge their phones in the middle of this forest where they also get free Wi-Fi? Yeah, I think that's hilarious. I mean, the reason I introduced it is I had Macy saying, you know, giving this, like, rousing speech, and I just wanted the ambassador to be kind of rude about it, and I thought one of the rudest things that could be done is someone like, laughing and taking a picture of you and then like looking at the picture and laughing about it as they like hunch over and walk out you know it just seems like it just seems like the rudest thing like you are being so funny and ridiculous to me right now that i need to get a picture of it so i can have it forever and laugh at it like that's just so coldly rude but then macy like saves it by saying like well, screw you. We're gonna be proud about this, and, and I think that's um, something. Take a picture of all. That's a good us. thing about uh, that type of humor because it's something that everybody can relate to. That sort of incident, in- instant. Uh, and I thought that was that was really funny. I liked how uh, how you described the selfie, very well described there. That's how they're always taken. But your but Kelvin was distracted, and then they're looking at it like, oh yeah, look at this yeah. picture. <laughs> I that's not, I always I love the the cell phone picture taking culture because nobody ever pays attention to the thing that they're taking a picture of. People go there and they're like they go there to take a picture, and then they leave and they have the picture and they show people the picture. I'm like oh that's such a good picture, but they're always only focusing on themselves in the picture. They might as well have been nowhere and just taken the picture of themselves. <laughs> like oh look yeah, at no, me that's, that's oh oh look at know, my I've eyes. Taken... Let me take another one. It's like yeah, but look at the scene back there. Like no, it's me. <laughs> well not even just the me but the fact of having a the fact of having a camera i mean i like to take pictures a lot yeah. and video too and um hopefully with the idea of putting together you know a, a little piece every year although i it's been a few years See, since i've done it yeah um but 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 the thing is if you if you always have your phone and you're always keeping your eye out for a picture or whatever you're not totally in the moment and maybe you will notice things that you wouldn't have noticed other, otherwise but um, I do like that when I hike, sometimes I don't, uh, sometimes I don't take, I mean, I never take, uh, my camera or phone with yeah. me. Um, yeah. see what it is, what it becomes though, is the way people take pictures now, it's almost like they're uh, a dictator and they want to prove that they're still alive. That's about it. I'd say. Would you? I would. Say what? Say it. It's over. Oh, I do agree. You can follow each day's paragraph at armistisdesigns.com slash paragraphingblog or on Twitter at graphingblog. And now, if you'll excuse me, yes, I have a chapter to write. Right on.
Writer's Log, April 7th, 2017.